You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Greensmith, episode 450. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP450. And a slight trigger warning and content warning, there is discussion of abuse in this episode. So please take care of yourself. there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hello, Podians. How the hell are ya? I am so excited to bring you this topic this week, which will be rounding out our series about boundaries and speaking up. And I thought I would do something that's quite a bit of a departure from any of the previous conversations that we've had. I've danced around it a little bit, but there are times when it is not in your best interest to speak up for yourself. In fact, you absolutely should people please in certain situations. What? What? What podcast am I fucking listening to? That's right. There are some very real situations where grace and kindness don't work, being really assertive and forthright with your boundaries don't work. So I want to talk about a couple nuanced experiences that you all might have that leave you kind of scratching your head when we talk about boundaries and speaking up. Before I jump in, I just want to mention that last week we had an awesome conversation with Randy Buckley, who has a program called healthy boundaries for kind people. (laughs) And we had so many similarities and congruencies between our two pieces of work. And I thought it would be really helpful and informative for y'all to hear from another expert. Sometimes hearing somebody else talk about the same topics can just land differently. And you can just hear things in a different way, especially if you are so used to me. (laughs) So please be sure to check that out. And prior to that, I did a little two-part deep dive into figuring out what your boundaries are and then what it looks like to actually establish them. So this has been a really rich series. And like I said, we're rounding that out today. And then next week, we're going to be starting an entirely new series all about making marriage work. And this could also be applicable to any type of intimate partnership does not mean you have to actually be married, but dealing with intimate partnerships and that sort of a dynamic. So let's jump in and start talking about when not to speak up, when to disregard politeness, like when not to even fucking worry about being graceful or kind. And what to do when grace and kindness don't work. So this is one of those episodes that just targets 
the outliers, the nuances of some of this, uh, some of these concepts that we've talked about over the years. Okay, so when not to speak up, that's what we're going to dig into first. The first thing that I want to share with all of you, if you aren't aware of this, people pleasing is a modern iteration of our fawn fear response. So as many of you may be aware, we have primitive fear responses, meaning that if we feel some sort of impending threat, we have a natural, very instinctive response that kicks in in order to keep us safe. You've probably heard fight, flight, freeze, fawn is a sort of a newer one that is on uh, many people's radar these days because fawn is the equivalent of if you were, let's say, being chased by a mountain lion or a bear or something like that. If you went into a fawning behavior or defense mechanism, you would be trying to placate the aggressor. So you would be going, oh, you know, here, kitty, kitty, here's some food. Go over here. Or, oh, good bear, sweet bear, here's some honey over here, (laughs) right? It would be not fighting, not fleeing, not freezing, but fawning. Now, all four of those primitive defense mechanisms that we call upon still when we're in in the face of threat have modern iterations when we're actually not in total and complete danger. For example, we will sometimes people please, which is the iteration of fawning, when we're actually not about to die, right? So for example, maybe there's somebody in your workplace, maybe it's Marsha in accounting, and you feel like if she does not approve of you or think that what you're doing is on the up and up, that she will sabotage you or she'll throw you under the bus, and you feel on a subconscious level that you might not survive it. Now, obviously, we don't think that consciously. We don't think, I need somebody's acceptance in order to survive. But our lizard brain still can't quite tell the difference. So that's a lot of times why you'll have racing heartbeat and you'll feel all the feelings of fear simply from not garnering somebody's approval. The reason why this is so important to understand is to know that people-pleasing sometimes in certain situations keeps us safe. That example that I was highlighting earlier, there's a reason why you would want to fawn in some situations. If you're not an avid true crime junkie like I am, <laughs> uh, then you may might not know of certain situations where individuals have been in really horrible, precarious situations where their life is completely being threatened. And then with their kidnapper or captor, They placate them and essentially win them over and then are able to make an escape. That would be a way in which fawning or people-pleasing, as we kind of understand it now as a defense mechanism, would be entirely appropriate to your survival. A majority of the time on this show, we're talking about people-pleasing when you're not really in imminent 
danger or where there's a really significant threat to your physicality or well-being. So a majority of the time, people-pleasing is arresting your happiness or holding you back from the things that you want to accomplish or simply affecting your personal sense of self-worth. Because the more we are invested in everyone else's opinions of us and we're twisting and shape-shifting to make them approve and accept us, the more we are saying, you matter more than me which is directly equivalent to our self-worth. So under most circumstances, I'm going to say, really take a solid evaluation and look at, am I afraid to speak up because there is a legitimate threat to my well-being and my physical safety? And then you can kind of decipher, is this a situation where people-pleasing may actually be within, within the realms of possibility here? So the second thing I wanted to mention is using people-pleasing as a defense mechanism would be completely warranted if your physical safety is being threatened. Now, the example I've used plenty of times just so that I'm really targeting my own lived experience, let's say that because I am a queer, cisgendered woman, if I am loud and proud about the LGBTQ plus community, and I find myself surrounded by, let's say, let's say I stop by some bar or something to grab a drink, and it is really clear. There's lots of Confederate flags. There's some, you know, let's go Brandon bullshit. And it's really clear, you know, some MAGA hats that I probably am not going to be championed for being a part of the Alphabet Mafia. That is a situation where if I start letting my rainbow flag fly, it's likely that my physical safety would entirely be threatened. So in that situation, the most important thing is your physical well-being and your safety. Now, that being said, there are a myriad of situations throughout history where people as activists have put themselves very deliberately in harm's way in order to make market change and to create a difference in this world. And that is 100% your choice. You do not have to be the hero, be the martyr. You are allowed to take care of yourself. You are allowed to say, hey, I'm going to fib a little bit or shapeshift a little bit here to take care of my personal safety. Now, that's a very, very different situation than hanging out with my family and maybe they make a remark about a transgendered individual and I choose to stay silent. That's a situation that where I would highly advocate you speak up as long as those family members are not an imminent threat or danger to your well-being. Now, some of y'all have families out there who actually would result to violence. Many of us have familial environments, however, where we're just straight up uncomfortable speaking up. We're not actually about to be in danger or be threatened. So that's an example of really understanding when your physical safety is threatened and when not to speak up, okay? Now, a very close situation to that one 
is when you are dealing with an abusive person, sometimes in those dynamics, the worst thing you can do is speak up. Not always, but this is something that I've talked about with a lot of my clients and students when they have been, sadly, it's most common with an intimate partnership with a spouse who has exhibited abusive behavior. And what I mean by that is threatening physical violence, threatening sexual or emotional violence, uh, complete disregard of your emotional state, making you wrong anytime you are emoting. A huge, huge indication of an abusive relationship is somebody who never, ever, ever takes ownership over their own actions and makes you wrong for whatever they do. So if they are calling you names or tell you that, you know, your your work sucks or you're never going to be successful or you're not lovable or, you know, you're a total bitch or a bad mom, name calling, all of those things. And then say something like, well, I wouldn't do that if you didn't fill in the blank. They make excuses for their bad behavior. The reason why this is incredibly important to delineate is because the advice that I give to somebody who's dealing with a person like that versus somebody who's dealing with, let's say, a coworker that they don't quite get along well with or a friendship that they want to cultivate a little bit deeper, the communication tactics are worlds apart, are worlds apart. And what that means is that there could possibly be individuals out there listening who have tried to use really healthy communication methods with an abusive person and end up feeling like there's something wrong with them. Like, I must not be doing this right. I'm not doing my personal growth communication correctly. And that is the last thing that I want you to think. So I want you to really evaluate what type of dynamic you are involved in. If it's somebody who always tells you the things you want to hear, but never, ever, ever does them or shows you with action or, you know, any of those other things that I mentioned earlier, I'm certainly not an authority in this arena, but I don't think that it's worthwhile using some of the tactics that I've shared with y'all around being super vulnerable or expressing gratitude or owning your shit with people like that who will potentially weaponize what you have said. If you are going into a massive fear response, meaning rapid heart rate, you are having sweaty palms, you can't think straight, you've got a little bit of a maybe brain fog, when you think about having a difficult conversation with that person, unless you have extreme debilitating anxiety where you can barely converse with individuals, it's likely that that person is posing some sort of threat, okay? So that is also a situation where I don't advocate speaking up for yourself. Sometimes you might have to tell the person what they want to hear so that you can remove yourself from that situation safely. That may not be the time to point out their narcissistic tendencies or that they're borderline sociopathic <laughs> or, you know, the things that you really want to see in the relationship. A lot of that stuff just is 
futile when you're dealing with abuse, okay? So I want to just put that out there. Now, a caveat about this is that there is this rampant habit right now in social media and in the personal development space to label everyone as toxic. <laughs> every workplace is toxic. Every, you know, ex is toxic. Instead of really examining what's happening in the dynamic in the relationship. Now, I 100% believe that there are toxic individuals out there. 100%. I know some people will argue and say there's no toxic people. There's just toxic behavior. I personally don't agree with that. I feel like if you do a certain behavior chronically over a long period of time, it's safe to assess you as that adjective. Meaning, if over 20 years you do kind acts, it's very easy to say you are a kind individual. If somebody exhibits toxic behavior for 20 years, I think it's safe to call them a toxic individual. However, a majority of what I see out there is using that label as an excuse for not having difficult conversations, for ghosting, using it as an excuse to just ghost or leave a job or leave a friendship instead of tackling the things that you really want rectified. Here's what I would say about this. Google is your friend here. If you are unsure, if you are in an abusive relationship, Take it to Google. Start looking at consistent behaviors and make sure it's a reputable source, somebody who is uh, maybe on like Psychology Today or WebMD or something where it's psychologists and psychiatrists who are able to really properly give you the warning signs to look at. Because here's what I'll say. Nobody Nobody fucking roots for themselves to be in an abusive relationship. We will look all over the place before we look at dead in the eye and say, holy shit, this person's an abuser. And sometimes it's a family member, a parent, a sibling, a child, and like an adult child. Sometimes it is an intimate partnership. I would say that's what I see the most frequently. And then the next is parents some sort of parental influence. Just know that really none of us are rooting for an abuser to be in partnership with us. We're not. We're looking for reasons why they are not an abuser. So it can be really, really difficult to look at. I will say start with Google, start researching some of the behavioral tactics and look at manipulation, look at narcissism. Again, that's another one that gets thrown around like toxicity. Make sure it's a reputable source and search out help. That is definitely something that falls in the therapy arena, 100%. And that can be incredibly illuminating to help you understand and stop engaging with these sorts of individuals because almost always it's habitual. Almost always it's habitual. Okay. The final way where it's not going to be the best to speak up is when the forum is not for you. Okay. So an example of this would be, let's say on social media, there is a black creator who is speaking to other black individuals. That is not the time, if you are not black, to come in 
and take a podium and start going off about your thoughts. That's not the forum for you. Okay? So those are the moments where you do not speak up. (laughs) Okay? So think about it in context of your identities. Depending on who you are speaking to, you aren't necessarily opening up that conversation to absolutely everyone. So be mindful of that. An example of this, my uh, best friend wanted to go to a poetry reading, like an open mic uh, event that was happening, and she noticed that everybody who was registered was a person of color. And although it did not delineate at all that it was only for persons of color, she wanted to make sure that she was not going in and white centering herself or going into spaces where it was put off the dynamic and it wasn't for her, right? So she reached out and said and and basically said just that. I want to be super respectful. Turns out it wasn't that situation. It really genuinely was open to anyone. They wanted to see everybody. But I think those are the sorts of things now that we're understanding culturally a little bit more astutely. We're recognizing that just because we can be keyboard commandos behind our little devices does not mean that those are the always the best opportunities for us to speak up. Now, if there are racial issues that you feel need a white person's voice, for example, something that I've learned from many an activist, specifically in the the BIPOC community is that there are going to be white allies that are needed in spaces where the group will not listen to people of color, where the, their only opportunity to basically hear the good word is from another white person. Those are the opportunities for you to speak up with your racist ass uncle at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, or to take a stand about not celebrating Thanksgiving because of what it has done to the indigenous population. Those are the types of ways to speak up, but not in forums that are not for you. And I would say tread conservatively on this area and just be just be sure that that is something that is either being asked like your opinion is actually being asked it's a forum that is inclusive of all different identities and and then you know knock yourself out okay so hopefully that is helpful so again when not to speak up is recognizing first of all that people pleasing can be a defense mechanism number two do not speak up Again, if you don't want to be sort of a martyr for the cause when your physical safety is being threatened, that is, I personally feel like you can do so much more good by keeping yourself safe and taking care of yourself and and being a beacon of light in a different way. Number three, not always with an abusive person, again, if that safety is threatened. And then finally, in forums that are not for your particular set of identities. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where 
everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com dot com slash speaking where they can get in touch with me because listen it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice take up space and advocate for their wants needs and opinions like yesterday and if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And you know I'm a huge fan of therapy. I like to say if you don't think that you need therapy, then you probably need therapy. Because listen, without a healthy mind, being really, truly happy and at peace can really be a challenge. But the good news is that therapy really does work. So whatever you need help with, it is time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better, okay? Because you deserve to be happy. Here's the deal. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't even have to be on camera if you don't want to. Hello, introverts. I see you out there. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have over 20,000 therapists in their network, which gives you way, way more options than your immediate geographical area. And it's also available for clients worldwide. Much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in less than 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. In fact, a member of my family just started and totally loves it. It is always a good time to invest in yourself because you deserve it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and the Bold Face Truth podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash bold truth. That's betterhelp.com slash bold truth or enter the code bold truth at checkout again to save 10% off your very first month. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, let's talk about when to disregard politeness. I've mentioned that I'm a fan of true crime, and one of my favorite podcasts that I've listened to for years is one called My Favorite Murder. And the the host, Karen Carol Gareff and uh, Georgia Hardstark, have coined this term called fuck politeness. And it really came out of the true crime community and 
you know, largely for women wanting to keep themselves safe and the societal expectations on women to be polite, to not bruise a man's ego. And again, I'm, I'm talking in binary terms, so forgive me. But that is the sort of thing that we hear, oh, you can't hurt his feelings or whatever, and how so many women have ended up in really egregious situations, life-threatening situations, and worse, because they were polite. They were nice. They were kind. And sometimes that's going to be helpful, like with the people-pleasing. And other times it is not. So I wanted to offer sort of a bevy of different solutions here depending on what situation you are in. Okay, there are situations where there will be folks who cannot hear you if you are being soft or emotional or you're exhibiting vulnerability. They just don't respond to that. Sometimes it's if you are lengthy and you are over-explaining or you're being kind of verbose or you're trying to get more into the emotions of things and they will just dismiss you, shut you down, whatever. In those situations, you might have to call upon a little more curtness and abruptness and to say, well, that is how it's going to be and it's not up for discussion and being a little bit less polite, okay? A little less grace and kindness. I had a situation somewhat like this many, many years ago is when I was working in makeup artistry. There was a woman who I was working with kind of privately, helping her with makeup, doing some personal shopping for her. And she had asked me if she could come visit me at one of my store locations where I was a trainer. I was a corporate trainer for a makeup brand and traveled around and worked with the teams, with the staff. So I was responsible for their training and development more than working with actual customers. So she had said, can I come see you and you can help me? And I said, sadly, I am working with the team that day. So I will be kind of taking, my time will be taken up elsewhere. And she said, so working with customers is not going to be your number one priority. And she said it kind of snarky like it should be. And I said, yep, you got that right. Working with customers is not going to be my number one priority that day. Glad you understand. And was just like short and curt back with her. I realized that that was how she needed to communicate. And she wasn't necessarily being really hurtful or trying to be snarky. It just came out that way because she was that short and curt with how she communicated and therefore responded the best when I spoke to her that way in return, even though that's not my in- my inclination. My inclination is to be soft and like, how can we figure this out? And I so appreciate that. And thank you for your understanding and give a little more context and But I've realized that it's shorter to the point, get it done with that sort of a person. I have a client who has a similar situation with her father. We had tried a handful of tactics with him, kind of being a little bit more emotive, being a little bit more vulnerable, saying, hey, here are some of the things that have been really hurtful for me. And he just It was almost like he got more irritated and shut her down faster when she was soft. So she learned that with him, she had to be 
far more abrupt and just, nope, that's not how it's going to be. You are allowed to be upset, but you are not allowed to take that out on me. And he responded brilliantly to that and has since curbed his behavior dramatically. That is oftentimes a, a nuance that we have to observe with others who may communicate abruptly with us. It's likely the folks who offend you because they communicate in a way that is just too sharp for your liking. Usually if you mimic that back, they're so much more receptive. It's almost like they respect the candor and the curtness. Again, this is a generalization, but it might be worth a try if you've been banging your head against the wall trying to communicate with this individual. Okay, another time when it is perfectly appropriate to disregard politeness is anytime you're defending your own personal safety and freedom. So an example of this could be when you're out at a social event and somebody grabs your arm. And it's completely appropriate for you to be like, absolutely not. You cannot touch me, right? Like you can you can do that. You do not have to be like, excuse me, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't touch me. Like you don't have to do that. You can be more abrupt. Now, I do think that this is one of the areas that is incredibly difficult for those who identify as women or who are in femme bodies to navigate. Because sometimes the people-pleasing, the placating is what will keep you safe, and sometimes the fighting is what will keep you safe. So you're calling upon two different fear responses, two different defense mechanisms depending on what you are dealing with. So if you are out at an event and somebody grabs your arm and you're totally with folks around you who will defend you, you feel overly safe, that might be a situation where you absolutely do want to retort with something a bit more aggressive. Or let's say um, somebody hits on you. This is another nuance. If you feel bolstered and supported by folks around you and you don't feel like your safety is being threatened, it's absolutely appropriate to say, I am not interested. Please remove yourself from my vicinity. Or i I would appreciate it if you would leave me alone before it. I call the security or something like that, right? Like you don't have to be kind and placate to ego. Again, noting your personal situation. If somebody yells at you, if somebody – this is one of my pet peeves and I've never experienced it, but for some reason it just infuriates me. <laughs> and I think it's the audacity of people thinking that they can just touch you, and that is – someone touching a pregnant belly without consent like it is some sort of like communal area that everybody can touch and it's somebody's fucking body like you don't get to just touch somebody's body so that sort of a situation you can absolutely be abrupt and like oh nope no absolutely not you cannot touch me without consent like you you can be a bit more sharp with those situations okay The final circumstance when you can disregard politeness is when you need to expel the anger in a way that will be healing for you. So an example of this might be like a woman's march or, 
you know, Black Lives Matter march. Like, you don't have to be kind and soft and all of that. Like, you get to yell and scream and disregard and kind of say fuck politeness in those situations. If you have a parent who has been really abusive your entire life and you really just want to give them a piece of your mind about how they raised you or the impact that they left you with and you need to expel that just for you, for your own healing. That can sometimes be an appropriate way to let go of kind of grace and kindness. Now, there are plenty of caveats here. Number one, you cannot be attached to the result. So if you are expecting that the other person goes, oh my God, I can't believe how much I hurt you. I'm so sorry. If you're waiting for an apology or if you want a specific response from them, then it's probably not the healthiest opportunity for you. It's usually, number two, it's usually a good idea if you've tried grace and kindness before. So before you just unleash on somebody and erupt like a volcano, it's probably a good idea that you've tried a couple of other tactics that haven't worked. Some really healthy communication tactics, which obviously I have an arsenal of those that I've shared throughout the years. Now, the third thing you need to know about this is that you can absolutely be written off as hysterical. The more emotional you are, the easier it is for the other person to write you off and disregard what you have to say. That is why, regardless of the response, you need to check yourself and say, I, if, if I'm going to, let's say, let my dad have it the next time he says X, Y, or Z. I'm just going to rip into him. You need to have zero investment in how he responds. So if he hangs up, if he slams the door in your face, if he calls you, you know, a crazy bitch who just, you know, you're too emotional, too sensitive, or if he apologizes profusely, or if he just stands there, like no matter what the response is, it has to be about your clearing of that negative energy. And there are very few and far between situations where I think that that is actually healthy, but I have seen it happen. Now, I don't want to give this to you as just free reign to go chew people out because it really is very difficult to come back from. These are the things that we hold resentment towards for years and years and years, and It's the least likely method of you being heard. So if you really want something fixed, changed, rectified, implemented in the relationship, then this is not the tactic for you. But if the relationship is done and you there's nothing for the two of you any longer and you need to just get this shit out, then it could possibly be a healthy choice for you. But again, you've got to check in. And make sure you are not attached to the result. Okay. So quick little rundown of that again. When to disregard politeness. When that person communicates much more assertively, abruptly, and curtly. And respects that in return. 
that may be an option. Number two, when you're defending your personal freedom, like somebody is grabbing your arm or they're aggressively hitting on you or trying to touch your pregnant belly, that sort of a thing, you absolutely can be aggressive. But again, note personal safety. That will always be paramount. And finally, when you need to expel anger, that will be healing for you and you aren't invested in the response from the other person and you aren't continuing to work on or nurture that relationship. Okay, the relationship pretty much has to be done. Gone, done, closed. Okay, let's finally wrap up with when grace and kindness don't work. So I had a situation in 2014 where I was really up against this, where I really had to take some of my own tactics and go, okay, what happens when they don't work? What do I do here? So we had, at the time, Mr. Smith's mom was living with us. She had just a litany of different health issues that were going on. So she came down to live with us so we could help her with that. So the place where she originally was living was a good two and a half hours away from us. But that's also where... Mr. Smith's brother was living. Now, they both had somewhat of a nomadic lifestyle. They had, she very much had open door policy. People were always coming in and out of her home. That's what she was used to. And that's obviously what Mr. Smith's brother was used to. That is not how I operate my home. I am the type of person that will never open the fucking door and won't even give you any signs that I'm even fucking home if you don't text me or give me some kind of heads up. And even then, I'm usually like, no, I'm not available. (laughs) I do not like it. I don't like the drop-in. And I don't really need to defend it. So he was not used to that sort of dynamic. So he would drive down two and a half hours and just show up on our doorstep with his giant pit bull in tow, and he would be covered in like fiberglass or some random substance from some sort of job, random job he had picked up. And I was like, oh, hell no, hell no. (laughs) But of course, he wanted to see his mom and Mr. Smith wanted to see his brother. So we started cracking down on some boundaries. And we said, we need at least a day notice before you come. And we're very clear about it. We were very graceful. We were very kind. He did not acknowledge it. He, in fact, just did whatever the fuck he wanted to do. So he would show up. And so what that meant for us when grace and kindness didn't work was to really implement a solid, concrete consequence a repercussion of that action. So what that meant was we actually closed the door and said, you're welcome to come back in one day's time. We'll consider this your notice. You can come back in one day's time. And he slept in his truck because we were so serious about our boundaries. And there had been this family narrative around him of, oh, that's just how he is, that's just how he is, which made an excuse for really poor behavior where other people had to just cater to him. And I said, well, this is just how I am, and I'm not going to accept that. (laughs) So what that looked like, and we talked about this a little bit in the little mini two-part boundary deep dive, so you might want to check out that part of the series because I do talk about consequences and 
kind of ultimatums in in that episode, a lot of times what it looks like is really following through on whatever consequence you established, whatever you laid out. And it is possibly one of the stickiest and most difficult things to do. And thankfully, it's pretty rare. Most of the time when you really lay down a boundary with somebody and you say, listen, this is not acceptable. This will not be tolerated going forward. This is not something we're going to bend on. And you've reiterated that a few times. Most people really do get the message and they really will stop. Every once in a while, there will be situations where you actually have to follow through on the worst case scenario. And that, I think, is the most prevailing strategy that you have to be ready to employ if somebody breaches your boundaries and grace and kindness are no longer working. And we realized that we could be kind and so compassionate and all of these things and it didn't matter. It ultimately did not matter. And it took Mr. Smith getting pretty explosive with him and saying this is absolutely unacceptable and getting a little bit more vocal than we had been in the past before he started even baby steps towards the boundary. So very unique situation, but I do think that it's important when you tell somebody, if you continue to speak to me like that, I'm going to leave the room. It's important that you actually follow through. Or if you say to an adult child, you need to be out of the house by this date. If you are not, I'm going to have movers who are, who come and move your things out on the day after. You have to be willing to follow through on that. Otherwise, those folks who most of the time are takers, they're taking, 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 will continue to take. And they'll go, oh, she doesn't mean it. They don't mean it. He doesn't really mean it. I can always get away with it. They're idle threats. So... Be committed to that because it might be the most useful tactic for you when grace and kindness don't work. So there you have it, a very nuanced episode on when not to speak up, when to be a little bit more callous and be kind of bitchy and say fuck politeness, and when grace and kindness don't work. And I really hope that the emphasis on your personal safety is really apparent here because there's lots of different options depending on what your scenario is. So I want you to understand that I don't give you personal growth tactics and tips and steps just as a absolute. I give them to you as blueprints for you to figure out what applies to you, what doesn't, what does keep you safe, what you might need to finesse a little bit, and just know that's why it's called personal development because it's fucking personal. So I would love to hear what you extracted from this episode. I always post a meme for the episode the same Monday that it is dropped. Come over to Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. You can find me under the handle Hey Amy Green Smith, and let me know what your biggest takeaway was from this episode. And Next week, we'll be back with a brand new 
series all around making marriage work. You definitely don't want to miss it. We're going to kick it off with an awesome interview from an Irish gentleman named Figs O'Sullivan. You will not want to pass this up. So until then, please remember your voice matters. You are enough. So go out there and tell the bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you, bye.